Are you a 90s sitcom intro? Does it go with the the song? (laughs) A little bit. Oh, I like it. Welcome to uh, That Park Life Welcome. I, of course, am Greg. And I'm Beth. Yeah, you know, know. the usual people. One that sings. (laughs) One that sings all the time. We're here again. We've got fun stuff to cover today. Yeah, um, we're doing part two of Why Do They Call It That? Because I we actually have like Why a... didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know that song is just always, always. It's always in your head. I can't, every time you say it, that's all I think of still. It's really terrible. The 90s country is just burned in my brain. So Before we get to our topic, I want to share a couple of strange things that probably people mm-hmm. who go to Disney often a lot, often a lot, often would notice. Maybe people who don't go often wouldn't notice. Um Nicole and I were with uh, two friends, JT and Mariah. We had lunch at the ABC commissary over at Hollywood Studios. And we were minding our business. We were eating outside because it was beautiful. Plus, it's nicer to eat outside when you're with people who you're not normally with. So, you know, like COVID and stuff. To be aired out. And um, a squirrel ran by us because there are plenty of squirrels in Disney, right? A lot of ducks, a lot of squirrels, a lot of people. However, the squirrel was carrying another squirrel like by its mouth. Not like with its mouth, but like it was... I don't even know how to describe it. Like it was hanging around his neck, basically. So we were like, what? What? Um, so Mariah jumped up and ran after them. And wow, we don't know what happened, which led to a bunch of uh, Googles, which were, why does a, a squirrel do this? And they, it's a couple of reasons. And it could be that the, okay. the, like the mom squirrel carries the baby squirrel if it's like overwhelmed or nervous or needs to get to like a safe space or it's if a squirrel is mm-hmm. about to die. And they're bringing it to the rescue, you know, to rescue it, or they're bringing it to bury the dead carcass because they bury their food sometimes. Like they stash their food, they'll also stash dead bodies mm-hmm. so that they can eat those bodies. Uh, oh, I didn't know that they were like cannibals. The most magical place on earth. Um, <laughs> what reminded me today? I, I ran over a squirrel today for the first time. <sighs> Say a little prayer. Yeah. For that I, squirrel. I, it ran in front of me. I didn't have time to stop, and then I was like. <gasps> Um, cause that breaks my heart, but it didn't hurt me as bad as if it were going to be a bunny or yeah. a cat, okay, like a kitten. Um, yeah. but I was like, oh, <laughs> that just crushed me. Like, I was like, don't cry, Beth, don't cry. You're okay. It ran out in front of you. There's nothing you could do. I know everyone turns to us for squirrel trivia. So I'll give you one more little <laughs> morsel. Do you know why squirrels always swim on their backs? Why? So they don't get their nuts wet. Listen, if you want more jokes, we got more Disney jokes. The, the more, a little more family-friendly Disney jokes coming your way. Coming your way. Also, um, one more thing. We were in Mickey's PhilharMagic in Disney's Magic Kingdom Park. And um, I'm assuming we're all familiar enough with the show and how it goes. But there's the one scene in the very beginning where all the lights go out. And it's Donald. And he opens up his two big eyes, right? And then it pans to Lumiere. And, you know, it's like that cabaret kind of vibe, right? And he says bonjour we welcome you tonight but he just didn't say the word bonjour the weirdest thing so all the other sound was there oh. it's just the word bonjour was missing and we and noticed said, it we welcome you tonight. yeah it was just silent silent silence we welcome you tonight and we're like what and the reason why it stood out to us is because for whatever reason it always makes nicole laugh when he says bonjour because he's so like dramatic about it it's like bonjour yeah, yeah. yeah. so we we both went to go like look at each other when he said it and he didn't say it so then we looked at each other like what the hell what the weird <laughs> it's weird right and we swear that same day 
we went on Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, whatever. And right after, right before the drop, right, so you're 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 going around that turn with the skeleton and stuff. And there's the flash for the for the photo. Um, right at the top of that little mini drop, we heard a gunshot that we have never heard before, and we haven't heard since. And I'm not so- saying like an actual Weird. real human life gunshot, but like a clearly pirate like yeah. movie sounding yeah. gunshot. Um, haven't heard it. Didn't notice that we've heard it before then, and we've been on it since and have not heard it. So and I, it wasn't from the next scene because the next scene is like they're big... shooting cannonballs. So I, I paid attention, and no, it was a different. It was definitely more gunshotty than a big boom of a cannon. Maybe someone shot off a real gun well, in the ride. Ghost. I don't know. People <laughs> popping caps in Pirates of the Caribbean. What is his name? Pistol Pete or whatever that. Gunpowder <laughs> Pete. Yeah, Gunpowder Pete's uh, lighting it up him. on the ride ghost of gunpowder pete it's real y'all yes i was joking about squirrel trivia but we have some real trivia this week so if you're <laughs> listening to this you like that transition if you're listening to this i, I was joking about squirrel yes. trivia. <laughs> but i'm serious about disney trivia um we do have some yes, disney... this week. yeah our disney trivia night is this thursday so if you're listening to this in the first couple of days here this week there's still time to sign up um there are a few slots available if you want to play you can also just be a spectator if you want to hang out we are offering um two separate prizes for winners so we'll have like round one winner and a round two winner uh this way we get like a fresh start halfway through and then everyone who attends will also be entered to win a random that park life podcast prize pack and otherwise mm-hmm. the trivia rounds will result in a win of a 2021 calendar by the way of, of all which like, is awesome i was like uh when are you sending me mine yes right. well never oh. you gotta win hey listen you, you can't compete but you gotta win and oh, uh thanks. the other one is a nice haunted mansion mug with the words hurry back at the bottom of it when you get done to your coffee and it's got like that you know pattern that we all are very yeah. familiar with of the, wall, the wallpaper yes if you want to sign up you can go to that parklifepodcast.com oh, don't miss out and don't have FOMO. It's all your fault. Don't have FOMO. So let's jump back into our why do they call it that? And it'll be our part two. Why do they call it that? Mm, mm. All right. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to yeah, go first? I have um, a couple from Magic Kingdom, one from Animal okay. Kingdom, and one from Hollywood Studios, I believe. You want to start with Magic Kingdom? Sure. Let's okay. do it. Let's be a bunch of history nerds for a moment. Okay. It's ha- It's happening. First, we're going to talk about the Liberty Tree tavern so like Mm. most things in magic kingdom it's not a random name otherwise we probably wouldn't be talking about it if we're random but let's go back to walt's plans for disneyland which is where i think this whole thing started in 1956 so what is that about a year after the park had actually opened walt and some imagineers had dreamed up a mini land expansion called liberty street which would have included an actual or a replica let's say of the famed liberty tree which we'll get to in a minute mm-hmm. a hall of presidents and this was by the way before audio animatronics were a thing so the plan was to use wax right. figures for this hall of presidents oh. which would have been if you think it's creepy now imagine what that would have been like just wax figures yeah. uh the expansion was also supposed to include a hall of declaration of independence starring nicholas cage no but whatever or it was going to include a replica of the declaration of independence as well and some other things mm-hmm. Um, it was eventually all put on the back burner so that funds and resources and time could be spent on developing and creating the monorail, the Matterhorn bobsleds, and the submarine voyage attraction that was all that obviously is all there now. And uh, however, the Walt Disney Imagineers decided to revive the idea of that American history spirit that like Walt's been known for. I mean, he's pretty well known for being about American history. So they came up with Liberty Square 
in Magic Kingdom to kind of like rekindle that that Liberty vibe. But they had to do it here because Disneyland couldn't fit it. So they also included an actual Liberty tree. The real life original Liberty tree dates back to colonial Boston, the early stages of the American Revolution. In the 1700s, the Sons of Liberty gathered under a large elm tree to protest because it was illegal to gather in certain areas, especially if it was known that you were going to protest. So they kind of like tried to make it look cash, and they were uh, protesting and gathering and, and sharing information under big trees. So trees around America that were big just became like symbolic liberty trees. Mm. And that's okay. why we have our own here at Disney World. Um, during the construction of this area, a live oak was moved about six miles from where it is now to where it is now to become the focal point of Liberty Square. And of course, has a plaque underneath it. The plaque says a bunch of stuff on it, but it does include this. Almost every American town had a Liberty Tree, a living symbol of the American freedom of speech and assembly. And nothing oh. says America like eating. So now we have it at a tavern, um, you know, right next door. The official description of the restaurant from Disney says, quote, pay tribute to our founding fathers as you dine at this stately colonial style inn serving traditional New England inspired fare. And on the inside, there are a bunch of individual rooms themed to historical figures in U.S. history. Betsy Ross, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Paul Jones. I actually don't know who that is and George Washington and his wife, Martha Washington. So you probably might have known that the Liberty Tree Tavern was maybe named after the Liberty Tree, but some of that stuff, like the the early like seedlings for this, if you, oh, you like that? I use the word seedlings when we're talking about a tree. Seedling. Not, not intended. Um, dates back all the way to Walt in the 1950s, really. Wow. I think it's time to move on to our next destination. <laughs> we are in Magic Kingdom, right? Would yes. you like to talk about the Crystal Palace? Yeah, let's do CP. I did not know anything about the Crystal Palace, really. So learning all this, I was like, oh, and it kind of all comes full circle here. But, okay. Um, it's essentially based on the New York Palace, right? There's a New York Crystal Palace from the 1800s. But what I found out was that that was actually made because of the Crystal Palace, which was built in London's Hyde Park. Hmm. Um, and this was where they had which the Great Exhibition of 1851, which was essentially the first series of world fairs. Oh. Um, that's like where they had the big exhibitions of different cultures and industries. They became popular in the 19th century, um, which obviously Walt Disney, like they took part in the world fair. Right. So yeah. this was basically the first world fair, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so New York kind of made their own version of it, but it started in London. Um, and I just wanted to give this little like blurb here to talk about the sheet glass. So the introduction of the sheet glass method came about from the chance brothers in 1832 they made it possible to produce large sheets of cheap but strong glass. And in its use, the Crystal Palace created a structure with the greatest area of glass ever seen in a building. Hmm. Uh, it astonished visitors with its clear walls and ceilings that did not require interior lights. It's been suggested that the name of the building resulted from a piece penned by the playwright Douglas Gerald, who in July of 1850 wrote in a satirical magazine punch about forthcoming great exhibition referring to a place of very crystal. Interesting. So that's kind of where they got the name for the Crystal Palace. So we came from London, then to New York. But I would assume that Walt Disney was such a, a big proponent in uh, the World Fair that that's yeah. kind of where all that came from. All right. So let's talk about what Disney says about it, too. Disney says, dine in Victorian splendor in this greenhouse-inspired Crystal Palace idyllically. Ooh, that, what a word. <laughs> 
idyllically set on Main Street, USA. It is, let's see, this is a splendid dining experience expired by Victoria Greenhouses of the late 1800s. The Crystal Palace brims with light topiaries and tropical palms. It's an enchanting spot to dine with the heart of Magic Kingdom Park with views of Cinderella's Castle and Main Street, USA. Our friends from the 100 Acre Wood will be taking a break from greeting guests, but the restaurant remains a perfect location to celebrate with family and friends. So this was our like Winnie and Pooh characters yeah. have me have a uh, character dining or yeah. it was before at least. That's kind of where they got that. I stinking love that piece of history. And now next time I'm in the park, I'm totally going to be throwing that out to my family and none of them will care, but it's totally fine. No, stand outside the doors to the restaurant. And while as guests are coming in and I just be like, Hey, did you know this is actually based on this one in Europe? <laughs> but that was based on this one in, in uh, London. Yeah. Hyde Park, man. Gosh, get it together. World fair. <laughs> Um, People will be like, uh, are you taking me to my table? Or... <laughs> um, I'll be like, no, but my friend Greg here will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll do it. I'll give them even more information they need to know. Um, let's stay in the area, actually. I have a little something about Casey's Corner. So yes, I feel like this. people know that this is based on a poem called Casey at the Bat. But I think that yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. So. OK, that is that's like yeah. the thing that I knew, because as soon as I mentioned this to my wife, Nicole, mm -hmm. she said, oh, yeah, Casey at the bat. But I was like, but that's like the beginning where I feel like that's the surface level thing. Mm -hmm. Let's dig a little bit deeper as to why it's going to dig a little deeper. Find out what it means. Have you seen that movie, Greg? Jeez. Uh, Princess and the Frog. Yes. Thank How you. Dare you. Oh my gosh, Only I'm recently. Really impressed by you. Only in the past maybe year or so. <laughs> Um, Good. Well, I guess it's, it's relevant for you yes. then. <laughs> so uh, believe it or not, this restaurant was an opening day restaurant, but it was originally named Coca-Cola Refreshment Corner. And it was oh. renamed in 1995, so 24 years later. Um, and it Here. was named after a poem by Ernest Thayer called Casey at the Bat. Um, by the way, the big C... Like the big logo, the big C for Casey's Corner that you can see like very easily on Main Street, lights up at night. You'll notice that it has a year on it, 1888, that has nothing to do with Disney. That's actually the year that the poem was written. Oh, okay. And it wasn't a random thing that this poem wound up at a Disney park. Believe it or not, Walt Disney released an animated short in 1954 called Walt Disney's Casey at the Bat. It was a short retelling of the poem set to music. So there was actually like a music, like a score in the background, also some like music and lyrics. And it was yeah. the same storyline. It was really just the story of the poem was kind of fleshed out into like an eight minute thing, which I watched and brought some clips with because I think it's worth, yeah. it's worth listening to. Let's actually start with that. So here's how the, the okay. thing starts and it lets you know, uh, kind of hypes up like the lore of Casey in a slightly misogynistic way. Okay, here we go. Don't forget, <laughs> this is the 1950s. Okay. The ladies don't understand baseball a bit. They don't know a strike from a foul or a hit. But when they see Casey, the game has got it. They see the pride of them all. Uh, so the ladies don't know anything the about women, baseball. The <laughs> ladies don't understand baseball a bit. They don't know a strike from a whatever and a hit. Oh yes. my gosh. That's a little rough. Wow. But point was people were there to yeah. see casey right so obviously this is in the 50s you can tell that sound a little old-timey right i mean um, apparently casey was hot and that's why the ladies were there i mean if you watch the cartoon not that i'm gonna and i'm gonna sit here and judge an animated guy for you but he wasn't that he just he's kind of like a big weird looking guy but um a little bit of the story of casey at the bat because you'll be able to see some of these elements in the restaurant itself um the poem is about a team from mudville so they are the home team and they are, you know, facing off against a visiting team. 
which is why when you're in the restaurant, you'll see a big scoreboard in there that says visitors, and then it says Mudville with mm-hmm. the score of the game and how and how it ended. Okay. Um, and in the short itself, there is a band that is you know, playing this music that we hear throughout the game. Um, however, when the band is um, zoomed in upon, turns out they're actually animated versions of some old school Disney animators, some of the um, nine old men we've talked about before. Names we yeah. would recognize probably are Mark Davis. That's probably the name that comes up the most in these conversations. Yeah. Ward Kimball is another one who also has a window on Main Street. And yep. Walt himself is in there as well. So a little bit of like wow. history is in this animated short, which is it's in and itself a piece of history. But I think the most interesting thing about all of this is how the game in Casey at the Bat ends. And I have a little clip of that for you, Sue. I'm assuming we all have not read the poem before. Have not? Okay. So here's a little bit of how uh, the game ends in Casey at the Bat. But there is no joy in Mudvin. Mighty Casey has struck out. He struck out and they lost. They lost four to two after all of that. Wow. Yes, which is why. (laughs) (laughs) So when you go there and you look at the big scoreboard, it has the score of four to two. Visitors four and Mudville two. That's where that all comes from, from this uh, short case. I want you to know that you're the winner of this game and we're going to give you a hot dog for it. One thing I I couldn't find for sure um, was if you look in the restaurant, there are like these big old timey looking like not chandeliers, but like light covers, like stained glass light covers that say Coca-Cola on them. And I wonder if they're from the original restaurant, which is the Coca-Cola refreshment corner. I have a feeling that they just stayed around. Yeah, especially since they became that's the sponsor back. back Yeah, because Coke is is everywhere. It's the exclusive soda of a soft drink company of Disney. You got anything else in Magic Kingdom or are we moving I parks? I don't have okay. anything else in Magic Kingdom. I think the next thing I have is in Epcot. Okay, let's go to Epcot. Are you ready for this one? I have a soundbite for me. Do you not? Yeah, well, um, do you want to play it before we say the name of the restaurant? I think I'm going to give it a go and okay. then we'll see if I'm close to it. Okay. So this is the Akershus <laughs> restaurant in Norway. <laughs> or Akershus restaurant in Norway, which is probably not even close to it. So play the clip. Well, How do you say it? Akershus. Akshus. Akshus. Okay, so Akshus. I think it's Akshus. So <laughs> it, you basically pretend like the ER is not even there, which makes sense to me. I mean, there's a lot of like other languages where it's like there's letters in there and you're like, that's you wouldn't pronounce that. No. There. We would hear because we're like, Mayamo is Bayeth, y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's Akshus. So we're talking about the Akshus Royal Banquet Hall. Um, I'm going to start with what Disney says about it. It is Princess Storybook Dining. Uh, it says, join Disney princesses for storybook dining inside of an evil castle with soaring archways and cathedral ceilings. Hmm. It also says, Her Highness the Queen is holding a feast in honor of the world's best-loved storybook princesses, and you're invited. Dine in a medieval castle as Disney princesses and friends mingle with guests, give autographs, and pose for pictures. All who attend the royal banquet can expect to meet several of the following Disney characters. Snow White, Cinderella, Belle, Princess Aurora, and Ariel. Advanced reservations are highly recommended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it says a taste of Norway is what you're going to get. So start the day with American breakfast favorites. It's Norwegian-inspired fare for lunch and dinner. Yada, yada, yada. Let's talk about what it actually is. Yeah. So... 
Akshus restaurant in Norway. Uh, it's based on an actual medieval castle, the Akshus in Oslo, Norway. It was built in 1299. Holy moly. Let me repeat that. Date 1299. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, let's see. It's also called like Akshus Castle. It's a medieval castle in the Norwegian capital of Oslo. It was built to protect and provide a royal residence for the city. Since the Middle Ages, the fortress has been the namesake and center of the main flife in later main county of Akshus, which was originally one of Norway's four main regions and included most of eastern Norway. Hmm. So it was located within the main county until 1919 and then also within the smaller sub-county until 1842. Um, and I think I did read, too, that it's like a current office for like the current prime minister or whatever. Strange. There. Okay, and here's the thing, too. So it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, if you look up pictures of it, it's gorgeous. It looks like what you would think a fairy tale princess, like where she would live. So I can understand why they've like picked that, yeah. um, especially for storybook dining. I yeah. mean, it like looks like straight up royalty from Disney movies. It, it reminds me mostly, I mean, yeah, like storybook dining if you've ever been there, but it reminds me a lot of like Robin Hood, okay. like the animated Robin Hood, like that kind of, um, or Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. I mean, Sword in the Stone. Like it just, it just has that look to it. Yeah. We'll post some photos on our story of the day of this air so people can yeah. see it. Are you looking at something now? I'm looking at it now. Yeah. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool looking. It is beautiful. Yes. Um, so it's cool. Cause it's like after an actual place, which we all know Disney likes to do that, which Cinderella's castle is like after a bunch of different, castles as well all of this in norway norway Akshus. <laughs> uh, and don't ask people there to say it because that's rude it is <laughs> well you know when looking for it um and i know you saw this video too but there's a youtube of a guy like a guest who like clearly just tossed his phone up in front of the cast member there the international cast member and said hey how do you pronounce this and uh and it's just awkward the guy the yeah. cast member is being super nice but like don't make it awkward for people people yeah I don't have anything in Epcot, so I'm going to take us over to Hollywood Studios. Let's do it. I think we know it pretty well. It is the first thing you see when you walk into Hollywood Studios. It is the crossroads of the world, right? You can't miss it. Yeah. Mickey's got our back to us. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's that big thing in the middle, right? When you walk through the yeah. gates. It is. There's like a refreshments or is it just like a no shop? it's just a shop and it's not not a random thing that it's a shop you can buy right now you can buy pins you used to be able to buy cameras and stuff there um it's very very small it's circular and it's that way on purpose it's got like that big pointy thing on it kind of like a sorry piece if you remember the board game and then on yeah. the top of it is the globe with the mickey and the mickey up there looks as he did in 1930 something it's the 1930s version of mickey on purpose okay. and it's actually a veiled lightning rod so there you go. There are plenty of them. I mean, plenty of them around the parks. Because, you know, Florida. But did you know that there is a real Crossroads of the World shop that inspired the one that we see at Hollywood Studios? The real one is considered to be the first outdoor shopping mall. And it's located in, you guessed it, on Sunset Boulevard, the real one in Los Angeles. So in Hollywood Studios... The main area there is Hollywood Boulevard. Then you make a right on, onto Sunset Boulevard, obviously named appropriately, given it's supposed to be a Hollywood vibe. So the real Crossroads right. of the World exists. It's in L.A. It opened in 1936, which explains why the Mickey that's up there is themed to be the Mickey as to what he looked like in the 30s. 
and it was a big deal. It sold all kinds of things. Um, a lot of, obviously, it didn't sell a whole lot of cameras that early on, but as technology increased, it, it kind of varied what it sold. But it was there to represent the first outdoor mall. It wasn't the most successful outdoor shopping center, but it was considered to be one of the firsts. It had been redone a bunch of times. It was office space for a while, but more recently it was purchased for like the 19th time. And um, it has been restored and it looks like our version of the crossroads. I mean, it looks, I'm going to post a photo of it on our story when this episode airs. Um, It's very clearly, you know, an inspiration for our crossroads of the world. Right. Also makes me excited for, I don't know if you've like ever looked at the history of like Hollywood. Mm Mm-hmm. It is very interesting. Like we had to do a lot of that one in film classes okay. uh, in college, but like a lot of it would tie into this. It's like why Hollywood studios is what it is, why it looks the way it looks. History of Hollywood is just really interesting to me. So, yeah. And also it reminds me of Bone Thugs and Harmony song. Well, yes. You at the crossroads, you won't be lonely. <laughs> I told you I had a rap album. Good Lord. Yes, I, I, it's going to be my life mission to find that thing. So get ready. I'll, I'll find a way to find it. I'm going to miss everybody and I'm going to miss everybody. Oh, dude. I stinking used to love that song. I listened to it a lot in high school. Okay. Uh, But I digress. Moving on. So now we're going to go to the Rose and Crown, which is in the UK pavilion. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just Britain or London. I guess it's both. It's Rose and Crown. So there's actually a lot of like history to this. Sometimes, I mean, look, I'm going to go and say this. Sometimes I feel like Disney's a little too detailed. Yes. (laughs) Reading some of this stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously? All right. So there's four different styles of British pubs. They are the city or street pub, which dates back to the 1890s. It's a Victorian city center, features brick and wood paneling on the facade, and gives the mahogany bar, the etched glass, and molded plastic ceiling look. There is the Dickinson pub which is after the Cheshire Cheese Pub in London, which offers Ooh. a brick-walled flagstone terrace with covered tables, slate roof, and half-timbered um, Elizabethan-styled exterior. So that's the second style. The third is the Waterfront or River Pub, which is on the canal. Um, it's a facade with a modest stone building, clay-tiled roof, and decorative doorways, stone terrace with an iron fence lining the homey village in-style dining room. And then the fourth is called the country, which is from the suburbs of the 17th and 18th centuries, a slate roof and plaster exterior with stone coined corners. Uh, so this is actually after all four of them, hmm. right? So I guess they have little bits and pieces of each of these types of pubs built into the Rose and Crown. Okay. So it's, um, it is the 12th most popular pub name with 408 known pubs with the same name. So they're all just Rose and Crowns floating around in the UK? There's, yeah. Apparently there's a bunch of Rose and Crown pubs like all over. It's like a bunch uh, of Tonys floating around in the Bronx in Staten Island. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where the name comes from. So King Edward III used a golden rose as a personal badge and two of his sons adapted it by changing the color. John of Gaunt, which is the first Duke of Lancaster, used a red rose, and Edmund of Langley, the first Duke of York, used a white rose. The di- let's see, the dynastic conflicts between their descendants are collectively called the Wars of the Roses. So we've heard that term, right? Yes. Right? There's like a movie called War of the Roses. Yeah. War of the Roses. In 1485, Henry Tudor, a descendant of Lancaster, defeated Richard III of the York dynasty and married Richard's niece, Elizabeth of York. Okay, are you following me so I'm, far? I'm here I'm already so far. Lost. Um, since then, the combined red and white Tudor rose, often crowned, has been a symbol of the monarchy of England and d- demonstrates loyalty to the monarchy. Hmm. 
that's crazy to me that is a this is a nerd flex by disney to go back this this into this depth yeah a lot of uh a lot of backstory there so if you can follow i mean yeah the war of the roses like that ring rung a bell to me from school now can you say that again this time in a british accent which one? What do you want me the to say? The whole thing. The no, Rose I'm kidding. <laughs> King Edward III used a golden rose as a personal badge, and two Why? of his sons adapted it by changing the color. John of Gaunt, first Duke okay, of Lancaster, your... red rose and Edmund of <laughs> Why does your English accent sound like someone shaking you? <laughs> because that's what it sounds like. In the UK, the Rose and Crown is the 12th most popular pub name, with 408 known pubs. The official meaning Four. of the Rose and Crown is as follows. That's nuts that there's 408 of them. Um, all you of this, to- all of this backstory, so you can go have like a pint and have your bangers and mash. Do they even sell that there? Probably, right? Um, well, let me see what um, let me see what Disney says about it. You know, I have Ooh. never had a meal here at Rose and Crown. I've yeah, never even had the the uh, like fish and chips for the quick service outside. Ooh, you should see what their picture is of. I don't know what dessert that is, but it looks delicious. Oh, gosh. I mean. Um, it's this, this family-friendly British pub features. Tra- oh, I'll read it in an accent. Sorry. This okay. is for you, Greg. Yes. This family-friendly British pub features traditional favorites in waterfront dining. Delight in such specialties as fish and chips, bangers and mash, and more. In addition to British selections, the kids' menu includes favorites like turkey and meatballs and cheesy pasta. <laughs> Dine inside or outside on the, on the patio overlooking World Showcase Lagoon. Just be sure to leave room for sticky toffee pudding. Advanced reservations are highly recommended. Okay, so it's sticky toffee pudding. That's what the picture is, and it Oof. looks delicious. Oof. Yeah, and then it says they have a large selection of British beers, ciders, scotches, and signature cocktails. Huh. I like yeah. that they it's, uh, it's called cheesy pasta. They do mean mac and cheese, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I'd eat it. Cheese and pasta, whatever. Good. I mean, cheese, I... good. Pasta, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's um, cool. Um, did not know that about that, and I thought that was interesting. And now you know. The next time you're getting crunk around World Showcase and people, you're with people who like to know about these things, let them know all about the storied history of the War of the Roses in That's the UK. Right. Um, my last one is in Animal Kingdom. It is the Cali River Rapids over in the Asia part of Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. Cali or Kali? I say Cali. Is it Kali? I feel like I feel like they say Kali, but I don't know what it is. You know what? I think Kali just sounds more like exotic. Cali? I don't know. It's Ca- California? <laughs> like Cali, like your friend Cali. Yeah. Well, I'm going to continue to say Cali. Cali okay. is the Hindu goddess of time and of the transformation that comes with death. Oh, There's a little bit of a macabre for you, okay? But it's not random, obviously, right? So um, here's what I think is happening with the Cali River Rapids. We know that the part of the plot of the attraction is supposed to highlight a pretty common theme in Animal Kingdom, the destruction of land and habitats for monetary gain by humans. If you listen closely while you're in the queue waiting, obviously, for this ride, you can hear the loggers cutting down trees and the announcer on the radio in the office warns about illegal logging. So one of the th- one of the stories in this backstory of the attraction is that's what's happening people are illegally cutting down trees and they're going there um in the middle of some back streets <laughs> illegal logging as you know we all get our we all get into weird stuff when we're young so in a ride like this one that shows down the burning of trees and like what it looks like after a nice normal habitat has been kind of like done over it kind of makes sense um for it to reference a goddess of time and of the transformation that comes with death the, le- the death here more being about the land about people Mm. 
And that's really it. I mean, it's a short one, but think about it. So yeah. the name of it comes from a Hindu god that represents time and transformation comes with death. And the whole plot is about how we're, we are ruining the land for things like logging and trying to sell things yeah. and get more money. Okay, I found a pronunciation. Let's see what it, okay. let's see what it says. Because apparently there's a demon also with like that spelled the same way. Okay. So they're like not they're not pronounced the same way. So let me. It's Kali. Kali. Wow. Way to show Kali. off. It's Kali. It's Kali. Kali. I guess you like have to put a pronunciation. Kali. That's Sanskrit for you guys, so you know it's real. Uh, was that the last one? Yeah, that was the last one. So that wraps up our part two of why do they call it that? Part two. Why do they call it that? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. That's right. Sometimes the intro is longer than the nugget. Yeah. Okay. Um, Gideon's. We talked about Gideon's. Well, Gideon's is finally open. And Gideon's Bakehouse. Um, so this is in Disney Springs. We talked about how they like kind of did a soft opening and yes. it didn't go... I think it went like way too well. So they had to kind of shut it down to like adjust some things. But now they're officially open. Um, so between that and Everglazed, I'm having major FOMO. Oh, yeah. Because I, I want to eat all the things. But I've seen some people posting stuff like what it looks like on the inside it looks super cool so i thought i'm gonna go look and see what they actually like what is the whole deal the whole story behind this okay so i just wanted to read it because i thought it was cool since we're kind of doing like why do they call it that um and what this is so it says this is how they got their name this is on their website i'm just reading this from their website but it says in his never-ending search for baking inspiration steve lewis the bakery creator purchased what he thought was an antique cookbook published in 1898 to his surprise, the margins were filled with faded notes and doodles from what appeared to be a young boy who had dreams of becoming a baker. The name written at the back of the book was Gideon, and Steve decided to fulfill the child's wishes with the names Gideon's Bakehouse. Paying, uh, paying tribute to the origin of the name, Gideon's shelves are lined with strange works of art, aging books, and curious antiquities from the Victorian era. I love antiquities, especially curious ones. I mean, well, and there's just like really weird things in there. And I, I mean, if you're like a Harry Potter fan, it's, it's like reminds me of that kind of all of that. Uh, but their cookies are look insane. Have you been in there yet? Or have you talked to anyone that's I been? have talked to people who have been in and I've been obviously paying attention to, you know, people on Instagram who have been going. It looks really cool in there. Yeah. Um, and they're very like they have a lot of instructions on their website <laughs> about their orders, because um, I think that's where they just like had a lot of issues was just so much traffic so i mean they have these cookies right and they look like piles is what they yeah look they like. they make their cookies and then they roll whatever the flavor is or whatever like the topping is on the outside yeah. of it as well so it's covered in what you know is also on the inside so like the original chocolate chip it basically looks like a peanut butter ball rolled in chocolate chip yes. like <laughs> it's crazy so they look it looks delicious oh yeah um and they do have some cake slices as well. Then they have Ooh, like seasonal cake. cookies that they'll do. I mean, these things look amazing. Uh, heads up if you are planning on visiting the seasonal ones or like the um, the of the day cookies go out quickly. So there are some flavors that they're there till they last. And there's some staples like the chocolate chip, for example, that are probably going to be there all day long. So just know yeah. if, if there's a certain flavor you want when you're headed there relatively soon, just double check to see if it's a staple or if it's meant to be a seasonal or a specialty yeah. flavor because it might not be there by the time you get there. Right. And I do like that they have all their out of season cookies on the website and mm -hmm. it says like these are just here to build anticipation. So it's kind of cool because you can go look at it and be like, ooh, I definitely want to try that when it comes out and yeah. it makes you want to pay attention. And they're very big on 
you really should be following those, so their social media. So their Instagram account is where I guess they post a lot of their stuff. So, okay. Good to know. That's it. That's my nug. All right. Let's go back in time then and do some All Disney right. history. That's for you, the extended cut. Um, the music kind of fits my history item because I'm going to take us to Epcot in 1994. So this week, what is that, 27 years ago? Epcot's Communicore East and West close. At that time, they were bringing together the ideas and concepts explored in Future World, and they were dedicated to the advancement of technology. The Communicore itself occupied two buildings behind Spaceship Earth, Eventually, Communicore was replaced with Innoventions, which wound up opening the following September. So it took a little time, but they got Innoventions after that, which we know is also closed. And now all those buildings are basically gone, or at least the structures oh, are there. Wild. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. wild. It's crazy to see people's like videos and stuff, and we're like, Where's, where'd that building go? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, I'm taking us back to 2007, and this one made me think of you, Greg. Uh-oh. Uh, because this is during a press conference at Walt Disney World Resort. They um, revealed their plans for an attraction called Toy Story Mania. Ah. Uh, it was later called Toy Story Midway Mania, and it first opened at Hollywood Studios in May of 2008. And then, obviously, they have a version in uh, California as well. But uh, this was, like, when they did a press conference and announced that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. This I... week, they were like, guess what, people? It's happening. It's happening. We went to uh, Hollywood Studios the other day, and I shouldn't say we. It was just me. I went by myself, and it was a walk-on for Toy Story Mania at uh, park close at 7. It was about 6 o'clock, so before oh. about an hour yeah. left of the park. Usually, like, maybe you could find that um, if the fireworks were about to start, right? I mean, like, this I was – we still had a full hour of operation. It said five minutes, and the only wait was just between getting the glasses and actually being loaded into a vehicle, which was – Maybe five minutes. Yeah. If I mean, That's if awesome. that, it was awesome. And then we went um, yeah. this time when we went with our friends and we were there to you know for the squirrel incident at the commissary. We waited, I don't know, maybe ten minutes for Toy Story Mania in the middle of the day. It was like eleven thirty or noon or something. So like pretty good. Considering I do feel like though Mania is one of those ones that even if there's a long wait, it doesn't like you're moving the whole time. There is quite a bit of movement. Yeah, I would say there's been not a lot of times where I've gone there, like when there's been 45 minutes to even to an hour and you're not moving. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like you're there that long. So that's kind of why I don't mind that one. And there's lots to look at. Lots to they've look at. A, they've done a good job with the, um, the line queue for that. So before we get to our jokes, uh, our weekly shout oh. out to world traveler trading co all kinds of yeah. key fobs there. I feel like there are some ones that we don't mention a lot. So I want to, I want to make sure everything gets mentioned here because did you know, that there is a Kingdom Hearts key fob for those of you that play that game and know know what that is. There's also one that I feel like you would like because it just has the Rapunzel Suns on it. It is the Lost Princess yes. key fob. I feel I like that's got your name that. all over it. There are some Valentine's Day ones out there which, with a bunch of hearts and stuff on there. Some Lion King ones. Some nice um, Festival of the Arts key fobs as well. Of course, everything we're talking about, including dog collars and the macrame ones. And the little like wristlet things, the even um, Stephanie even has on here hand sanitizer holders. Yeah. And uh, all these can be yours for a slightly lower price if you use our special code, That Park Life Podcast. That Park Life. Oh, I think it's Park just Life. That Park Life, Greg. Oh, shoot. I think I gave you the wrong code. It is it's That Park just Life. That Park Life. Oops. <laughs> 
Oops, oops. My code doesn't work. <laughs> All right. So this time uh, we're doing Disney jokes a little bit differently. I, I understand as you're telling me. I've got Disney jokes. I've got Disney jokes. Beth's got the jokes okay. this time. So. Okay. Hey, Greg. Yes, Beth. Which Disney princess would make the best judge, do you think? I don't know who. Snow White, because she's the fairest of them all. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, I've only got two more. Ready? These okay. are quick. Um, hey, Greg. Yes. How cold was it at Disney World? How cold was it? It was so cold that Donald Duck was wearing pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can do that one with me, the poo, too, so that's why I like it. Um, all oh, right. Hold on. Our history music playing. Okay. okay. That happens, like, every week now. Oops. <laughs> okay. Our, my last one is... Greg. Yes. Disney funny. Disney funny. <laughs> not so easy, finally. is it? <laughs> Disney finally released Yoda's last name. Yeah, you know what, what is it? it is? No. His, his full name is Yoda Are you proud of yourself? Are you happy? Yes, she is. She's she's dying at herself. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Those are my jokes, man. Thank you. I'm so excited. We we waited three weeks for Disney jokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry i don't have more no 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 need to apologize i think we got our, our complete full i think anything else would be too much um if you want to follow us on instagram you can do so at that park life podcast keep your eyes peeled there because that is where we first announced our trivia night and i'm sure we'll announce some future ones depending on how this one goes um there as well you can follow my personal account at the disney greg and i am at the healthy hot mess if you like what you heard today, please feel free to like, subscribe, head on over to iTunes, leave us a review over there. Um, some very nice listeners have been really diligent recently and have added a couple of nice reviews, which is very nice. But most yeah. importantly, it does help us uh, move up in the ranks of Disney podcasts. When people go to search for Disney podcast, we move a little higher with every positive review. And for that, we are very grateful. You can always uh, check out our website, That Park Life Podcast. If you do want to sign up for our Disney trivia night, we are holding it over Zoom. And uh, it's not necessarily a big group of people. I'm hoping it's a manageable number of people. And if you're a little nervous about how good your trivia skills are, just know that uh, you don't even necessarily have to win to win a prize because everyone who goes will also be entered to win a prize as well. So even if you lose, you might still win. Who knows? All right. I've got a quote for us to end our episode. This one comes from the Disney animated film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it is, quote, today is a good day to try. So whatever it is you're doing out there and maybe even putting it off and you're not quite sure if you've got what it takes, today is a good day to try. That is all from us for this week of oh, That Park That Podcast. Yeah, right. I'm thinking of the song that's on the... Oh my gosh. Uh, after it's my band. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.